Welcome to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast. You can find us online at feministcoffeehour.com, Feminist Coffee Hour on iTunes, at Fem Coffee Pod on Twitter, and AskFM slash Feminist Coffee Hour. You can also send us an email at feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. Today, we have a really exciting guest with us, a friend of the podcast, Iris Zhang. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Iris. Um, I attend Columbia University part-time, getting my master's in computer science. I also work um, at a startup in New York City. Thanks so much. I'm Karen. And I'm Elizabeth. And thanks for being on the show, Iris. Thanks. So... We've known you for a little while, just socially, but um, one of the things that um, made me kind of ask to bring you on is because mm-hmm. I know that you're really like an aware feminist activist, mm-hmm. on top of being a woman in a male-dominated tech field, mm-hmm. particularly computer science. Right. And um, so if you want to talk a little bit about your training. Sure. Yeah, I could talk a little bit about that. So um, I actually got into the field of computer science and programming in general through my love of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and video games itself is a pretty male-dominated field. And I really wanted to uh, sort of not change it entirely, but just bring a new perspective on it because I would get really frustrated when I... Um, and playing competitive video games online and just be like subject to all kinds of like awful harassment and um, this is like pretty much on the regular too like it's it's seen as normal it's it's seen as um, you know just part of the culture and there was no point in changing it Um, and so I really disagreed with that and I felt like you know if there were more women um, playing video games, like, making the games themselves, I think part of that would change, so. Great. I mean, uh, I think that that's really um, current right now. I know uh, just recently in the news um, Mm -hmm. that women, kind of women in games has kind of consistently been in the news. Right, yeah. um, Specifically, like, female game developers. Mm -hmm. And just recently, um, at, at the time of the recording of this podcast, recently, um, Allison Rapp. Yes, yes, I was following that story. Nintendo, yeah. And so I was wondering if you if you have kind of any kind yeah. of industry awareness of that. Um, so I don't know how much your you know listeners are aware of like Gamergate and all of that that happened in the past year or two, but it's basically um, people going on witch hunts after women be perceived to have done some sort of wrong. Um, or brought some sort of feminist agenda into video games, and people are really angry about it and um, and express it in a way that like endangers like women's lives basically because the and this all came to head for Allison um, when they like people perceived her as having a feminist agenda and thought that she had something to do with um, the localization of Fire Emblem, which is a Japanese game when it's brought over to the U.S. And they thought that, you know, they forced the Japanese creators of the game to take out some, like, sexualized images or poses or mini-games from the game. And when, in reality, she was, like, against that. Like, she was, um, one of her papers that she had written in college was, like, 
um, defending sort of like sexualized minors in Japan, like in the way that they perceive it, because it's it's from a cultural perspective, it's like something that's pretty uniquely Japanese. And um, so they seized upon that and instead and just like really dishonestly used that against her as like they called her a pedophile and they <laughs> and um, they like started this whole witch hunt campaign to get her fired from Nintendo, which worked. So wow. Yes. So <clears throat> yeah. So as of today, she's fired, and it's it just goes to show like um, how far people would go to to just you know get people out of the industry who they perceive to be feminist. So it seems to me that that you have found that to be kind of inspirational, like uh, in a kind of fighter kind of way. Would um, you say that's like an accurate read? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's so much inspirational. Like that's honestly kind of depressing. Um, and mm. I want to think that you know, video games are so much better than that. The whole industry is so much better than that. Like recently, there have been lots of efforts to support women in tech. And in many ways, I almost feel like you know, um, making these stories like the primary narrative about women in tech is actually sort of discouraging like a lot of women would you know read these stories and be like well why would I ever want to go into this industry why would I ever consider myself a gamer or you know a a nerd or a geek or somebody who does tech um, if this is what I'm gonna be constantly subjected to Um, so I also think it's important that we talk about like the positives of being a woman in tech and I think I've had a pretty good time so far so yeah (laughs) So do you want to talk about, like, positively what draws you to the field and what you think might draw other women into it? Uh, yeah, so um, I was very lucky when I first found my uh, job in New York City. It was at this very, very indie game studio um, called Simple Machine Games, um, and they made little puzzle games for mobile. And Kurt, the founder, um, he wasn't even actively looking for an intern at the time. I sort of just met him at a games conference and introduced myself and told him, hey, I'm looking for an intern, internship, like, would you take me on? And he did, and that relationship has been so great. Like, he's, like, still my mentor to this day, and he's very supportive of, you know, women entering um, the video game industry. So there are people out there who you just have to find them who are great. Um, and then my second job too, um, which I started concurrently, was by a female founder. Like she founded her own tech company, and um, it was great for a while. It was all women in the office, so there were five of us, and we were all working together in the office. It was all women, and I was working alongside a female engineer as well. Um, she was my tech lead, and we got along like spectacularly. And I would say that like this job has been like one of the most rewarding jobs I've had. Um, so yeah, there are, every startup is so different. I know I've heard stories of, you know, people working at startups that were very, for lack of a better term, broy, mm-hmm. <laughs> full of programmers and um, not welcoming towards women or understanding of our issues at all. But um, there are female-led tech, tech companies too. So, Iris, I think that a a common, I think, sexist narrative that I hear a lot when we talk about women in tech is that women just aren't interested in technology or in STEM fields or young girls just aren't interested. And I don't think that's true. But what what would you say to someone who said that? Um, Yeah, I would agree. I would say that's not true, that there are plenty of women interested in tech. I think what 
Um, what might discourage like some women is the perception that tech isn't for them. And unfortunately, that sort of narrative has stuck around because of all these like stories, you know, um, of like horrible incidents that happen to women and the perception that, you know, um, tech is for nerds and people who love video games and um, guys. And I just like for me, like, yeah, uh, what got me into tech was video games. But I also know some women who just love it because they love the design aspect of it. A lot of tech is designed, like I would say, at least 50% um, of mm-hmm. working developers need to touch design or front end in some, at some point. And that's like, that's art. That's like creative, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that's what I love too but about technology, not only... Um, as an engineer, you know, I'm, this is like, so <laughs> completely, um, what's the word, uh, stereotypical, but I feel, I feel like I'm a really rational person. And so I love like designing systems that are really efficient and like work really well, but it's, it's also, there's an, there's an art to it. There's a craft to it. And, um, you know, you, when you see good design, like you're like, yeah, that's it. But like, how do you get to that point? Like, it's a process. It's you know, you keep have you break down every little part into its components and you execute it. Um, so that part, I think anyone can relate to. It's not a gender specific thing. Mm-hmm. And so you were at a career fair and you were trying to encourage, say, high school or or college age young women to you know to to look more into this to see if this is the career for them and they were a little bit apprehensive either because they thought it wasn't for them or because they thought that say you know systemic sexism would make it difficult what would you say to encourage them right so i wouldn't deny that there is systemic sexism in the industry because that's definitely true but i would also point out that there are people like actively working to fight it um and that there are companies that are putting money where their mouths are um giving women scholarships um you know there's a summit every year called grace hopper the grace hopper conference um in honor of like one of the first like women pioneers in computer science and um it brings together so many women from the industry and so many students as well and it's where you know students freshmen even um in college can mingle with like executives from like google facebook twitter like all the big tech companies and um you get like face to face in front of them and they'll give you interviews and stuff so um you know there's a huge effort going on right now to like correct the imbalance and people are aware of it um and also i would encourage them to think outside of tech like i would ask them to think about how how much technology has impacted their lives and if they see if they are at all interested in understanding like how to make that technology um like people don't realize it but online shopping is like one of the biggest like web you know um and mobile actually um industries right now and there's so many people looking to hire like web developers for e-commerce and stuff like that um you know things like rent the runway um mm-hmm. There's some other ones out there that are like Birchbox, um, Paperless Post. Like these are all women-founded companies. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, and um, so <laughs> it's not so much like a you know tech for tech's sake as much as like mm-hmm. tech is everywhere. Um, as especially in New York too, it's like really encouraging because most companies have like one foot in tech but one foot like in some other industry. So. Um, you don't necessarily have to be super interested in tech. I just think you need 
um, if you're interested at all in how technology works, then yeah, I would say it's the right field. So um, just from my perception, at least, I kind of gotten the impression that established tech companies, like the big names that you would think of, might have a, a better uh, atmosphere for women than startups. Like I've heard some awful stories about startup companies mm-hmm. that don't have HR or don't have good harassment policies in place. Mm-hmm. Is that true in your experience or is that kind of a, a stereotype that's maybe outdated? Um, I would say, I think it all depends on the startup. Um, for example, at my startup, like my boss is a woman, we're, you know, pretty female dominated office. And yeah, it's true. We don't have an HR person because there's, you know, there's not enough of us really to, for there to be an HR department. But, um, um, I think that at those giant companies, um, you are probably more likely to, there's going to be like an HR department that has like policies in place and whatnot. But I think even there, it's like easy to to feel isolated, to become victim to like politics in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I don't think necessarily that's unique to the tech industry as well. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, there was an article that came out uh, in February, I think, that they did a blind study mm-hmm. of um, men and women coders. Mm-hmm. And when people didn't know the gender, they assessed the code written by women is better. Any comments on that? Yeah, I actually, I read this report. It came out of like Ars Technica, I, I believe. And it, it, it looked at um, GitHub merges, which is, um, don't know if you guys know, but it's it basically like anyone can pull like a project from GitHub and like write some additions to it and then um, basically push it and ask for it to be merged into the master, um, which is like what the original, you know, creators and whatever are, are in control of. And so what they found was that like women actually had more merge requests like like um, granted to them than, than men when the genders like weren't known. And <laughs> actually, um, I mean, I don't know if there is like a reason behind that that I like, no, I can pinpoint to, but I can I know for sure that like the difference between like, you know, the blind study and like the non blind study where like people like knew the genders of the um and you know there was a difference, like that's obviously sexism, I think. Um yeah. Or maybe it's like people who are more outwardly, you know, um, feminized, um, for whatever reason, right shittier code. I don't necessarily think that's the case, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because it used to be the stereotype that, you know, in the 60s that coding was women's work. Mm -hmm. They thought it was like a secretarial job because you had to sit still all day and concentrate. Right. My mom was was considered more feminine. It's very strange how it flips. Yeah. Oh, so your mom, what did she do? Oh, well, uh, she eventually became a biology teacher. Okay. Uh, But... Prior to that, she was a hex coder, oh. so she she worked in computer science back when it was considered a women's position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not sure like why the divide happened. I think what happened was back when the field was still very young, um, coding was more. Um, so the the field was still young, and languages were not as expressive as they are today. So um, you couldn't really design very complex systems back then, and maybe it was seen as, you know, well, this is grunt work, like anyone could do this. And a lot of like coding is, is actually pretty grunt work. Um, 
And so um, I think the perception changed, though, when, like, coding became, like, coding languages. It was fun. Yeah. What <laughs> became much more expressive. Like, you can write much more complex systems with it. And it's like, oh, well, this actually has value. You know, like, people can take this and then make it into, you know, Facebook or Google or something like that that can make people money. And it's like, okay, well, that's actually worth something now. <laughs> you know? And um, I think that's what caused the shift, um, which is ridiculous. Like, yeah, women are obviously capable of that work just as much as men. Mm -hmm. So just kind of on a, an interpersonal note, I've noticed as a woman in a STEM field, mm -hmm. I work in research science, um, that a lot of times, not so much um, at work, mm -hmm. but outside of work yeah. is where I experience this, these really gendered expectations. Yes. So when I'm like at a party yeah. and I'm talking mostly to men, right. uh, I find that men will just talk at me. Mm -hmm. Like if I mention that I do science, instead mm -hmm. of like being interested in me doing science, they'll be like, I read this article on the internet and I know all this stuff about this. And when I'm like, yeah, that's really exciting because of all these this background and expertise right. that I have. Right, right. Um, it's like no, but you don't understand. Like, <laughs> like, and I'll have men really um, downplay my expertise uh -huh. interpersonally okay. and in just casual situations, and mm -hmm. I find that to be infuriating. Yeah, and, and like I will just I'm like sure. yeah, I take so much delight. It, like it's kind of sick like I take mm. so much delight in like shutting them down <laughs> with my expertise yeah. like that it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> but um I was wondering like uh is it similar for you with tech or do you find that you're working or that your like interpersonal life involves more people that are already in your field so they kind of understand your expertise or kind of wondering yeah. about that um I've had many varied like sort of um reactions to the fact that I'm a woman programmer. Um, most of the time, I think it falls into two categories. One is just surprise, and they're like, what? And, you know, like disbelief. They're like, wow, okay, that's cool. And then that's it. And then they don't ever want to talk about it anymore <laughs> after that, I think. Um, and then um, I guess the second one, it's, it's definitely more rare, but like if I do find a fellow programmer, um, then we can like actually talk about what it is that we do and stuff and um, in my social circles at least the the people who are programmers um, I haven't really noticed a difference because I think we're all pretty insulated from industry because we're all you know in school still mm -hmm. and I think the school has at least made a pretty good effort into making tech feel inclusive for women um, although I remember once going to this like recruiting event um, and I was one of the only like three women in the entire room, all the recruiters and like all the participants like otherwise were men and there was like one other woman there she, well, like who was you know part of the recruiters and she was like just a re recruiter like we call them like just a recruiter because they're not technical they can't talk about you know the tech position um, that well but it was just it's frustrating because like people look at you they're like oh are you a recruiter <laughs> you know it's like no I I'm wow. in tech like I I'm here to be interviewed and my yeah that was a very strange sort of experience too because after speaking at length to one of the 
um, recruiters who was technical. Um, he then emailed me back on his personal account, like, hey, it was like nice to meet you and whatever. Like, you want to grab coffee or, you know, want to like go out sometime? I was like, yeah, um, that would be great. Here's my resume. Please let me know if there are any positions in your company. Like, this is so weird, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> yeah. I never heard back from him. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Interesting. <Yes. laughs> so you mentioned the Grace Hopper conference, mm -hmm. and I know in New York City we have uh, Girls Who Code, which was start by started by Resma Sanjani, who uh, ran for office in New York City a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, are there? And um, I know that when I was in school, uh, my friends who were women who were involved in tech were in uh, SWE, Society of Women Engineers. Yes. Are there other organizations like that that people should be aware of? Yes, actually. I'm on the board of WICS. It's called Women in Computer Science at Columbia University. Um, I don't know if there is like a national organization that sponsors this, but I do know that the department like funds our chapter, um, and they do pretty well. And We host events such as um, site visits, so I remember last last year or maybe it was yeah I think it was last semester we took a bunch of girls to Tumblr and we toured the office and we do that um, I went on like the Venmo site visit which is pretty fun and um, we hold site visits and we have like corporate um, people well, we host like corporate talks too like we invite people from the industry to come to give a tech talk and we also host community events so like study breaks and such just to meet the board and get to know everyone better um, so yeah, women in computer science, check us out. <laughs> if you, you know, knew a, like a, a really young girl, maybe she was still in junior high school or high school and she was interested in, in going into, you know, coding or software engineer or something like that, what would be your advice to her, like for her career path? Um, I would tell her to not get discouraged if she feels like something is too difficult, um, and to just push on through and if she's interested and if she's passionate about it to keep exploring the field because um, what's really important to be successful in coding is not that like you're an expertise um, in any sort of way but really that you're persistent about and that you're always open to learning and that um, you write code you read and write code often and that you do it over and over that's not something like you can fake which is <laughs> it's it's sort of um sort of sad because there are lots of like um cool places like you mentioned girls who code and there's a whole bunch of like organizations popping up right now um basically like sort of promising like the fast track into getting into the tech field i'm talking about boot camps um and i'm not so certain that that is the right answer for people who want to code like i do want to encourage like you know more women to go into coding, but I would say um, before you like do a boot camp, really do your research and make sure that it's right for you, um, especially because a lot of them are really expensive and they sort of like promise lofty things like you're going to get a full-time web development role like after this and I'm not certain that the market is out there for that, so yeah. It's funny what you say about persistence. Um, my husband's a software engineer and I just remember in college like him and his two friends would be like working on an assignment and like I bought them a, a sign that said uh, pound forehead on keyboard to continue right. and I was just like kind of sitting in the corner quietly studying my psych textbook like yeah. 
you guys doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had many late nights where I was like insanely frustrated. Um, I've also actually, this, this is a really good, I think, anecdote for anyone who feels like they're not cut out for this field because I definitely felt that way after my first exam at Columbia University. I like received a 30 out of 100 on that test and I was devastated. I was like, oh no, I cannot do this course. Like this field just isn't for me. Like I obviously am not cut out for it. Um, but I went and I talked to one of the TAs who, who was a girl and she, she encouraged me. She was like, actually, like I did really poorly on my first exam as well. Like, um, but I pulled off like a pretty good grade at the end anyway. So just keep doing it. And, um, so from that, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just stick with it or whatever. And I ended up getting a B plus in the course. So it wasn't like, it was not the end of the world. And it was funny because I shared this story recently to a fellow Wix board member and found out that she and I had a very similar experience where we like got this horrible grade in this particular class. And she ended up being like the head TA for that professor in like two years. So, um, Yes, just don't get discouraged because um, I know like people people have preconceived notions about like who is and isn't cut out for tech, and yeah, I was just I would encourage anyone to just keep going with it if that's if they know that's what they love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people have culture shock at the beginning of any graduate program. Yeah, I think it takes a period of adjustment. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, what did you go for uh, computer science in undergraduate? No, I didn't at all. I actually came into the field like much later. I have a, um, my undergrad is in finance and I did teaching for a while. And then after I quit and I literally played video games like all day and I realized I was like, you know what? I can turn this into a career. Like can't just sit on my butt and play video games all day. (laughs) What are your favorite games? So right now I'm playing um, League of Legends. I've been playing that for I think five years, which is embarrassing to admit. I started since like season two. Um, I'm not that great at it, but it's just a game that I've become so familiar with. It's hard to drop. And um, yeah, it's a competitive like online uh, MOBA. And so it's 5v5 matches and tower defense and stuff like that. And I find it so much fun, especially when you can play with friends. So. And for our listeners, can you define what a MOBA is? Yeah, sure. It's a massive online battle arena, and oh, okay. it sounds oh, as cool cool as it well, maybe cool to me at least. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you on Mitomo. Oh yes, I also I actually have it on me right now. Oh, yeah. My yeah, my 3ds. I bring it with me everywhere because I <laughs> am so happy when I get like a street pass. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and I've been playing Fire Emblem. Um, Fire Emblem Fates is that the game that I was talking about in the beginning with um, Allison Rapp, like what she actually got fired over because mm-hmm. she perceived she was perceived to have changed the content in that game. So, so like your future career goals. So I know you're working at a startup now, but would you like to like start an indie game company or work at one? Um, I'm a little, I think I'm a little too risk averse to like do my own thing right now. Um, but my plan is to hopefully do like a internship at a startup this summer on a different startup. Um, I'm sort of, I have two offers on the table right now. I'm sort of like, you know, 
debating between which which one I want to go with. And then um, I'm going to finish my master's. Um, and then in 2017, hopefully I can get a full-time job at a tech company. I'm not sure. Or, you know, any sort of company, really. I'm really hoping for video game. So um, trying to, you know, make sure my resume aligns with that. Um, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> Is there anything more? Um, I didn't have any questions. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I think I uh, pretty much covered it. I don't know. Would you guys like to hear the story of how I had an awful conflict with a coworker um, who was a man, and I, he was pretty much fired for his sexism at work? <laughs> sure, if you'd like to share, if you're comfortable legally or whatever. It wasn't particularly directed at me. But, um, yeah, I have, we've had, like, um, a past with, like, a pretty sexist employee um, at the startup that I'm working at currently. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I didn't perceive it that way at first because it wasn't that overt. Um, but when I told the story to, like, other people, they're like, wow, like, this guy was, he sounds, like, really obviously sexist. Um, and it was because he was supposed, originally brought on to replace my coworker who was a tech lead at my company. And so, um, you know, he had to go through a period of training where um, we had to bring him up to speed on all the technical parts of the code base. Um, but I think his technical uh, knowledge just wasn't quite up to par, like as we thought. Um, he seemed to want to use this one tool um, and thought that that would be the golden ticket and the answer to everything when really, like, no. You know, like, we've had processes in place and there's a reason why we're doing the thing, the like, things the way we are and he just was not open to learning about any of the stuff that he didn't feel was um, the best tool or whatever. And so he would often just propose random things at meetings that were just like preposterous like and like pretend that he could get it done in like a month or like two weeks or something just like throwing out timelines out there and like as a technical person I'm just like no like there are so many things to consider you can't just throw out you know estimates like willy-nilly and whatnot so um and then what happened was he was put on a project by my boss who was like well let's see him like individually on a project um see like if his estimates are true like if he can actually excuse you know something on his own and it turns out he couldn't and i i turned into his boss like i had to check things off for him and like you know make him like to-do lists and stuff and um basically micromanaging like every little aspect of his work because he just wasn't like completing his tasks on time and i think he grew extremely resentful of me because one time he like you know after a team meeting where i was like oh well we didn't meet deadline because this person didn't do this and this and this and he took me aside after that day and he was like you're harassing me <laughs> and i was shocked i was like i don't like i don't understand how this constitutes <laughs> oh God. harassment you know mm -hmm. i'm and i i did it at a team meeting too so i think if i was harassing someone like i would you know why would I do it so openly in front of my boss? Mm -hmm. And um, it was very strange. It was almost like he was trying to intimidate me. He was like, you know, like, 
what you did was a legal definition of harassment and you need to be careful. And it was just the strangest conversation that I've ever had. And like some major gaslighting. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to my boss after and I was like, listen, this is what he accused me of. I don't know whether he's serious or not. And then she came back to me and she's like, you know, I just think he thinks that you don't appreciate his expertise and his experience. Um, Because he would harp on that a lot. He'd be like, I have all these years of experience. Like, I know what I'm talking about. When it was so obvious he didn't. Like, it was so obvious from the quality of his work and, like, everything he was doing that he didn't have the expertise. Um, So I started, like, documenting just, like, everything, um, getting it, like, in writing, you know? Like, every correspondence we had, I put it in email. Um, I basically, like, didn't want to talk to him outside of, like, having a written, like, correspondence of everything. Um, And... Yeah, I think a month later, after he was like already two months behind deadline on this one simple project he was supposed to do, um, my boss was like, this isn't working out, and she just fired him. And like later on, we're like, you know, we should have seen the red flags, like we should have sort of, you know. Yeah, like before he was hired, my my boss um, had discovered something he had written on Google plus or yeah which okay people you know internet comments whatever like Mm -hmm. sometimes we say things we regret and I I get that but for like this was like him commenting on like a music video of a woman saying she doesn't have an ass (laughs) as like a criticism against her I guess but so his his comment was like Oh, she, she doesn't have an S. Yeah. Like, on to some random music video? Yeah. And so, so, like... Your ass affects your singing ability. Apparently it does. <laughs> a well-known musical so, fact. Some yeah. random guy on the internet's opinion of your ass really affects your <laughs> singing ability. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, you know, everyone in the office, like, we were all, like, approached individually and was asked if we were okay with, you know giving this guy a chance even though he had written that and we're like and for me I thought I was like well as long as he doesn't bring it into the office like I guess it doesn't matter um Mm -hmm. but I think from that experience I was pretty humbled by it I was like you know I really should take those things into account more like what people are like outside of work really does affect how they behave towards you at work um so Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty frustrating experience. It was probably the most frustrating two, like two, three months of my life. He was only employed at the startup for three months, and managed, and he to, managed find to get behind two months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he managed to get behind two months. Wow. Yeah, okay. He basically, didn't we? Basically, got no work done. I spent like so much time just managing him that it was affecting like my quality of work too oh yeah no management uh, like I've been put in a management position at work and I mean the amount of time that you have to put in yeah. to get kind of rewards from the people who you're managing is, is really difficult to balance yeah when um, I hired like another person after he was fired because I really needed the help um, I took like a totally different approach this time I was like looking for someone who's like 
very humble and like showed humility and um, was able to talk about the limitations of their ability in a way that like made sense you know because this guy was all like I can do it I can do this I can do that and it's not really like not everyone can do everything you know and I was like looking for someone who um, was like showed signs of like understanding their own limitations and that's worked out really well and this person was the one who actually told me he was like yeah this it sounds like this guy was just really sexist and he just couldn't take instructions from like a woman and a woman who was younger than him as well you know I think he he had a lot of baggage or whatever around that yeah, that seemed to be kind of in his responses to you. Right. Like, why don't you respect me and my experience and authority? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I That's could okay. show you Elizabeth, but he's just being so cute right now. You <laughs> can. Yeah, he's the best. All right, so... Um, really want to thank you for coming and uh, talking with us today. It was really, really lovely to hear your perspective. I know I've read so many different experiences with people, and I just want to keep hearing, you know, more experiences with women in these fields. And I think it's really useful for women to hear, like, their horror stories, but that, like, most of your job seems to be, like, really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great time to be a woman in tech right now, too, so... Yeah, it's not all awful. Thank you so much for having me. It was like, really lovely to talk about my experiences. So where can people find you online if you're interested in having them do so? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Um, they can find me on um, my Facebook, Iris Zhang. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I have a Twitter. Um, it's I-R-I-D-E-S-C-E-N-T. Iris Desent, I think. Um I'm not sure how I spelled it, but <laughs> and you could also find me at my email, um, iz2140 at columbia.edu. And you can find me on Twitter at Miss Cherry Pie, P-I like the number pie. And you can find me at, at uh, Karen, U-H-K-A-R-E-N, on Twitter. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you so much. Like what you hear, you can give her a like or even a follow.